Dateline, 19th of January, 2014. Well, good day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 283. I am obviously not Steve Vischer. It's ATC Ben, and as always, joining us in the studio and running the ragtag bunch of Steve Vischer replacements is Grant McCarran. How are you going? Hey, not bad, mate. I'm also not Steve Vischer, and uh, also not Steve Vischer is uh, Jonesy, Ben Jones. Welcome to uh, another Ausdesk. G'day, Grant. G'day, Ben. And yes, I'm not Steve Vischer. Also not Steve Vischer, we have yet another not Steve Vischer. Damien Rose, this is your uh, first time in a while that you've been on an Ausdesk, isn't it? It's my first time ever, Grant, that I've been on an Ausdesk. So we've got ATC Ben, Jonesy, Damo, and myself. We're here, we're ready to go, and we've got a few stories lined up. So uh, let's do an Ausdesk. And uh, guys, let's start off with uh, Qantas being fined $90,000 in the US for not telling passengers on a delayed, then subsequently cancelled, Dallas-Fort Worth to Brisbane flight that they could deplane if they wanted to. Apparently. Currently, it's a U.S. Department of Transport requirement, uh, part of the uh, the three-hour tarmac rule, that 30 minutes after the scheduled departure time of the aircraft, uh, you have to tell the passengers that they can actually deplane the aircraft should they wish to, and they have to repeat that every 30 minutes. Qantas didn't do that, and this aircraft was delayed for five hours before they finally pulled the pin and cancelled the flight. Yeah, it looks like it uh, left the gate, came back to the gate, left the gate, came back to the gate. Apparently, somebody was reporting uh, some issues with a de-icing valve. The comment of the uh, possible de-icing valve issue didn't actually come from the uh, Telegraph Travel article itself, but was more in line with the uh, comments on the section from somebody reporting to actually be on their flight. I don't know how much emphasis you can put on that and uh, whether they're really actually on the flight, but it is a potential issue that they uh, might have had. Yeah, it's interesting going back and forth regardless uh, of whether it was the uh, de-icing valve or not. And yeah, you're right, Jonesy, that was in the comments. But uh, yeah, obviously uh, a bit of maintenance and uh, mechanical issues there, especially if they subsequently scrub the flight. Well, speaking of people stuck, there's uh, people running around saying that uh, they reckon Qantas is stuck with uh, its decision to remove 737s and mainline service from Hobart, the capital of the state of Tasmania, right at the bottom of Australia, and replacing it with the Qantas Link so-called regional aircraft the uh, using the Boeing 717. Yeah, Grant, it's actually back to the future with this uh, decision. Those who can remember back to when Qantas originally got these 717s and branded them in the Qantas Link brand when they bought Impulse, back in the day. Uh, the 717s were uh, always down in Tasmania doing those runs for Qantas anyway until they eventually became part of Jetstar and launched that operation and then they got transferred out to the west to uh, help with the mining operation as Qantas Link once again. Yes, and unfortunately tomorrow morning at about 5 o'clock I'll be boarding one of those old 717s with no in-flight entertainment and no radio. How that oh, sucks. Lovely, but uh, hey, at least the folks down at Tasmania and Hobart are probably going to get the the same ones that are being used on that other second-rate capital, uh, referred to as Canberra, where uh, they are also now using 717s, but their ones have a business class and lots of in-flight entertainment, I'm told. Look after the people that don't really earn the country all the money. That's all I've got to say on the matter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 717s on the East Coast have been uh, upgraded to actually have business class. The ones in the West don't. The Canberra services were actually upgraded from uh, from uh, Q400s. It's a bit different for them, but uh, the Canberra-Brisbane and a lot of the Canberra-Melbourne flying is now 717-200s, so they're making a bit of a comeback in Australia. Do you guys know uh, any passenger numbers that they're carrying currently weekly, or is a downgrade to the 717 going to uh, put on extra flights to cater for the load, or is it just a diminished load? I think they are talking about extra flights, probably one extra sector a day. 
and one of them will be an upgrade from a Q400. So there is obviously still uh, still a need for the amount of passengers to be transported then? I think it's more of a correct aircraft for the job thing. Well, there is that. I mean, especially going from Hobart to Adelaide or Hobart to Melbourne, it's a pretty short run. And if you don't have a lot of passengers there, then you're flying a 737 relatively empty. I think that's why they've been shifting to the 717 on the runs to Canberra as well. I mean, they still do have some 737s flying there. But yeah, if the numbers aren't there, it's sort of like Virgin using the E190s. I've been on an E190 between Melbourne and Sydney because, hey, there just weren't enough passengers to make it worthwhile putting a 7.3 on it. It says here in this article in The Australian that a spokesman at Qantas says that the change is about making sure they put the right aircraft on the right routes in support of leisure and business travel. So I guess that's the, the line that they're taking. Speaking of the right aircraft in the right place, we had a situation where an Air India 787 coming out of Sydney joined the list of those that have. They wound up lining up on Essendon Airport instead of Melbourne International. So they were basically lining up on our executive big end GA airport, which is a little bit shorter on the runway, isn't it? There's quite a significant difference between the two. The uh, runway that they were supposed to land on, uh, and did eventually land on once they made a little dog lead to correct themselves, was uh, runway 34 at Melbourne, which is 3,657 metres long. That's uh, just a couple of feet under 12,000 feet. Essendon's runway 35 is only 1,504 metres or uh, 4,934 feet. So uh, it would have been quite a hard stop. It would have been a rude stop for them. <laughs> Definitely would have been a brake change in there somewhere and maybe a couple of tyres, I'd say. <laughs> and the velour on the uh, pilot seats. But <laughs> don't, don't forget, guys, that uh, when you approach from the south heading up that main runway of Essendon, at the other end, uh, it does sort of go into a, a ravine. If you didn't pull up by the end of the runway, it's definitely, uh, it definitely gets very interesting if you go off the end of uh, runway 35 at Essendon. As they have done before, there is, uh, I believe, a 747 and a DC-10 of certain Asian carriers who shall remain unnamed have uh, also made this uh, little mistake. Melbourne Approach Controller was on the ball and sort of asked him if he actually had runway 35, uh, 34 at Melbourne in sight with strobes. Uh, we have uh, three strobe lights that lead into the runway for 34 to uh, try and prevent this kind of thing. The Air India pilots realised their mistake and corrected themselves, which avoided them joining the list of wrong airport arrivals. What is it, about four or five miles between the two runways? They're just under five miles between the uh, the two airports. I really don't know how this is happening with the last, you know, five incidents in the last six months. These aircraft have things called EFASs and uh, flight management computers and systems, and okay, fair enough if they're coming in and they're doing a visual approach. So I'm with Jonesy that I'm surprised that uh, the 787 which is the latest and greatest, has some of the biggest glass screens I've ever seen in a cockpit ever. I think they're probably just as big as the ones I'm looking at now on my desk. They didn't realise that the little magenta line didn't go to the airport that they were looking at. Guys, we're out of time. Damo, it's been great having you here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me in. No worries. And uh, Jonesy, mate, thanks for uh, kibbutzing in there from uh, WA. Hope we uh, haven't kept you getting too warm with the ceiling fan turned off. No, it's been absolutely stinking over here in uh, Perth, but uh, it's starting to cool down. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had our uh, 40 plus for three or four days here, and then the southerly change came in and we dropped 25 degrees in two hours. Holy yeah. cow. It might be hot here, but I'm flying off into the desert tomorrow morning, so I'm going to be really excited about that. Uh, at least it's a dry heat, mate. I'll tell you <laughs> I'll tell you what, at lunchtime tomorrow, Jonesy, I'll um, I'll drive two blocks down and go have lunch on the beach for you. Excellent. Thank you. 
<laughs> and cackling away there, ATC Ben, mate. Thanks very much for uh, joining in. No, thanks. Uh, thanks for having us back again. And uh, for our American listeners, yeah, we had uh, three or four days of triple digits, and uh, it's forecast to go mm-hmm. back towards that way at the end of the, uh, next week. So we're going to brace yep. for uh, a second week of summer. And uh, hopefully next week we might be able to get some normality back into the Australia desk and have uh, Steve Vischer back with us. Until then, I'm Grant McCarran. I'm ATC Ben. I'm apparently not normal, but my name's Damien Rose. And I'm Ben Jones. That's it for normality. We'll uh, let you go back to the geeks. Cheers, folks.